Coming from the book of Genesis. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Heavenly Father, Lord, you, you're a God of creation. You're a God who created us, who has plans for us. Lord, and as we continue to uh, dive into this Operation Refresh series, Lord, as we look at our lives and uh, how we may have gotten out of rhythms that better serve you, Lord, I pray that you continue to speak as we walk together. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. I'm going to grab my uh, clicker real quick here. And as I said, we are in a series called Operation Refresh. Uh, and it came out of a conviction I had in my own life that over the last year and a half, all of us have gotten out of rhythms that uh, previous to COVID, right? All of us had ways we took care of our bodies, our minds, our hearts, good, bad, indifferent, but then COVID hit. And then for 18 months, all of us kind of got out of sorts. I got out of sorts. And so what we've been doing is we've been spending a few weeks going through and looking at, hey, how are we doing mentally? How are we doing emotionally? How are we doing spiritually? How are we doing financially? And, and this week we're talking about how are we doing physically? Because in all of those aspects of our lives, God is at work. And God has a plan. The problem is when the world gets in, that plan gets distorted. And if I'm going to be really honest with you guys, physically is an area where I've had to really been convicted as I've worked on this sermon. I've joked a lot that for me, COVID-19 won't be the disease, it will be the 19 pounds I put on through the last year and a half, right, as I sat on my couch and watched Netflix again and again and again, right? I got out of rhythms with my physical body that then started to not deteriorate it, but I, I wasn't taking care of it. And what we see in Scripture is God cares very much about our physical body. Though sometimes within the modern church, we have disconnected that with what's going on uh, in this day, in this age. And so we're going to start off busting a few myths about our physical body and how God sees them. So myth number one. God cares more about the spiritual world than he does the physical world. This is pretty prevalent in our society, that we kind of put God in a box. God has a category that he cares about. 
And that category is the things that are spiritual, right? So praying, eternity, right? Where do you go to heaven or do you go to hell? We put God in a box and says, this is the stuff that God takes care of. And then the physical world and the things in the physical world, those are the things that we take care of, right? So if you think of it that way, humans take care of physical stuff. God takes care of spiritual stuff. But when you look at scripture, that's not a part of the story. God is in control of all of it, and God cares about all of it. Right? This is Genesis chapter 1. God creates the world. He creates all the physical things, all the material things, and he says, this is good. Right? And then we know how the story goes. Chapter 1, chapter 2, things are going great. Chapter 3, sin comes in and starts destroying the physical world. Right? Literally starts corroding it, becomes corrupted. But then Jesus shows up. And this is what John says about Jesus' ministry. This is probably the most famous New Testament Bible verse there is. John 3, 16 and 17. Hear this. For God so loved the world, cosmos, and I'm going to come back to that in a second, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It goes on. For God did not send his son into the world, again, cosmos, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Sometimes we hear this verse in John, and we think, and we translate it in our head, for God so loved humanity. God so loved humans that he sent his son. And, and God does love humans. God does consider and wants you to be a part of his family. That's why he sent Jesus. But when talking about his mission, John does not say God came to save humans. He says God came to save the cosmos. That's the Greek word, which is where we get the word cosmos, right? All things created. Everything, physical, spiritual, the things you can see, the things you can't see, Jesus came for all of it. Jesus came to redeem all of it. And so God does not look at the physical and the spiritual as two separate categories of dominion, of domain, but instead he is in charge of all of it. So myth number one we have a God who deeply cares about the physical as he cares about the spiritual. Myth number two. Humans were made for heaven. This kind of comes from a next step from God cares more about the spiritual than the physical. But it's this idea that, okay, so we're down here on earth. We're kind of suffering through. We're muddling through. Yes, there's sin. Yes, there's brokenness. There's things like earthquakes and death and cancer. And so we just got to kind of survive this because we were made for heaven. And this idea of heaven gets tied into the spiritual and gets tied into we're going to all end up with these like angelic wings hanging out in the clouds, right? We've, we've seen these images in cartoons, in movies, right? This is the gate with St. Peter, all that stuff. What's so unique though is when God talks about the end times, that, that's not what he talks about. This comes from Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven had and the first earth had passed away, 
And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Again, hear this again. What does it say? I saw the new Jerusalem come down from heaven to where the new earth. Y'all were meant to have bodies. Physical bodies. That's why so often when Jesus is talking about eternity, he compares it to a great feast where we eat together and we laugh together, and we have a physical experience because we were built for the physical. What Revelation describes as heaven is heaven coming down where God dwells among his people. Because that's the definition of heaven. It's where God rules in its entirety. It's the reason why in the Lord's Prayer we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. The whole point is to redeem earth, not to get to heaven. It's about heaven coming to us, meeting us where we're at. Which then leads us to our next myth. Because if the pendulum can swing one way to, okay, we're only spiritual. Then you can flip it to the other side, and then it becomes your body is supposed to be perfect. Whatever that perfect is, right? I literally was reading about an HBO show that mixed a church with a weight loss program. It, apparently, it did not go well, right? Cause it, it's not meant to be we're all supposed to be these Adonis statues, we're all supposed to have a perfect physical experience. Do you want to know why? Because of something called sin. Because of the corruption. Because as good as creation was meant to be, sin came in and started to deteriorate it. And so we live in a world with things like sickness. With things like old age. With a things like death, and that's a reality. And when the church pretends that it's not, that if you just love Jesus enough, God is going to perfectly fix you is also not part of the story. This comes from the New Testament in Romans. We know that the whole creation, everything that has been created, has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, those of us who are Christians, those of us who God is doing something in our lives, grown inwardly as we eagerly await for the adoption and the redemption of our bodies. If there is one myth that says we are only supposed to be spiritual beings and the physical is the problem, there is another myth that says, no, we are supposed to be physically perfect. No, y'all, you're not. No matter how much you work out, no matter how good you eat, we have physical bodies that live in a broken world. And that brokenness will eventually catch up to all of us. One myth on one side, one myth on the other. And there's one last myth that kind of plays into this. That God cares more about the future than he does the present. 
And, and this myth is really insidious. Um, because what this myth does is it takes away accountability for the here and now because we think we have the, the future secured. Right? This myth plays out in what's most important is that this person knows Jesus, so they go where? To heaven and not to hell. Right? So as long as they know the right answer to a test, they can go up and not go down. What is so clear in Scripture what is so clear with Jesus is if you want to know, if you want to have security in heaven, you handle the now. You meet him now. You live with him now. In heaven, coming to earth, the eternity takes care of itself. But when we focus purely on the future, at the expense of the present, not believing that we have a God who here and now, in this present reality, in my present body, is trying to do something, then what happens is, I can use this time however I want, not how it's going to honor him, reflect him, show him in this present world. And that myth is so corrosive to what God wants to do in your life. One of the best examples of a God who wants to work in the present comes from John chapter 1. John chapter, or the book of John, the gospel of John, was the last of the gospels. The first three were kind of written together, and then the third one is different. It was about 30 years after, and the church had been going for a while, and this myth that God cared more about the spiritual than the physical had really taken hold within the church. And so John writes his gospel to combat that, and this is what he says about Jesus. Oh, wait. There we go. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Literally, he puts his tent among us. The word, the spiritual Jesus, put on human flesh. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John starts off his gospel and he says, God put on flesh. Flesh isn't the problem. God became physical. And even in his physical condition, we saw the fullness of God. The physical is not at war with the spiritual in the eyes of God. And so what does that look like? Well, it's an idea called the now and the not yet. And what this means is that God is doing something now in your life. That God wants to do something now in your physical body, in your family. You don't have to wait for eternity for God to show up. That the good news of who God is and what he's doing is a gift for you in this present moment. So now and not yet. Because yes, God has his presence that he wants to give you right now. God has plans for you and your family right now. And yet, we still live in a world where there's sin, in a world where our bodies do break down. And there are gaps. And so the promise is not just that he is here now, but the not yet. There is a time coming where he will wipe away every tear for our eyes, where death and sin and corruption no longer rule. And so we hold to the present. We live in the present. We try to honor God in the present with our physical bodies. And yet, when there are gaps, whether it's age, some kind of illness that cripples us, 
we have the promise of eternity, that he will redeem and reconcile all things back to himself, now and not yet. So with all of that as our premise, what do we do with our physical bodies? Where do we come to God? Where do we see our physical bodies? Well, the first and foremost thing to know is that God handcrafted your body. When I was growing up, I always wanted to be someone else, especially once I became a teenager. I am awkward. Uh, if you've ever worked on a project with me, in fact, if you've ever just seen me walk, I am kind of like a duck. I'm better in water than I am on land, but I'm on land a lot more, right? And so I am constantly breaking stuff. I am constantly hurting myself. I am not very athletic. And so when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be someone else. I wanted to be as tall as the basketball player. I wanted to be able to throw a football as good as the quarterback. I wanted the person in the mirror to look differently. I had issues with my physical body. And I remember my dad took me out, and he, and he saw me wrestling with this. And he told me something that has stuck with me to this day. God doesn't make junk. God handcrafted you. God handcrafted me. And y'all, this is straight from scripture. The psalmist David writes about God and he says this, for you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He didn't know what he was talking about then, but the DNA of you, your unique fingerprint, God put that together. And I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, when he says fearfully, he is not saying God was scared when he made you, right? Like, oh my gosh, what have I done? That is not what God is after, right? Fearfully means to be in awe of something. When God made you, he was in awe of what he created. And it was wonderfully made. He goes on, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Church, God created you to have a physical body, and he designed it. And God doesn't make junk. Second, your physical body belongs to God. It's a privileged gift that we are meant to enjoy and take care of. Right, so if God designed your body, if he built your DNA, if he knew what you were going to look like and what you were going to be gifted at, whether it's a craftsman or an athlete or anything else, if God did all of that, it belongs to him. And he gave it to you as a gift. He knows what your favorite fall food is. He knows if you like pumpkin spice lattes or pumpkin pie or turkey and he wants you to enjoy those things. He is your father. And he gave you your body as an experience, as a privilege, and as an honor. But then scripture also talks about it as a responsibility. So much so that he calls our bodies temples of God. Right? So in the Old Testament, we had a temple, a physical place where God's presence was supposed to be. And so if you were ever worried that God wasn't hearing your prayer, you would go to the temple. Well, in the New Testament, he changes it up. And he says, no longer will I dwell in a building, but I will dwell in my people individually. 
And so you no longer have to go to a physical place to meet God. God didn't die for a building. He certainly didn't die for this building. Amen, Tenor? <laughs> but even the Sistine Chapel, you make the best church, the most beautiful church with all of it. He didn't die for that. He doesn't live there. He lives in your physical body. And in that physical body, we are called to take care of it. Again, from Scripture, do you not know that your bodies, your somas, your physicality, are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you and whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with the price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Again, this is where I have to start being convicted. Because this last year... There was a lot of times I was not honoring God with my body. I was tired. I was exhausted. I was emotional. And so I would use food or substance to numb myself. I wouldn't take care of this temple that he has given me. And yet it's a gift and it's a privilege. And it's going to be different for each of us. I'm not up here to tell you you have to work out X amount of times. You have to eat this kind of food. That's not my role. You know your bodies better than I do. And yet, because you know your body, you know what's healthy for you. You know what rhythms in life bring out the best in you. And what we know now about our bodies is our bodies actually collect to our minds and our emotions too, don't they? Right? We understand that there are healthy endorphins that can help us cope. There are healthy ways we can use our body when things get stressful or hard to be able to say, you know what, God blessed me with this and I want to have an interconnected life and I'm going to take care of this temple that he has given me because it's going to help with my emotions. It's going to help refresh my mind. It's going to give me healthy ways to deal with a broken world. Again, my job is not to tell you how to take care of your body, but Scripture does say that we are called to take care of it, individually and uniquely as he created us for. And this next part is kind of the now and the not yet. The body you have today is not the body that you will have in eternity, and this is good news, y'all. Every one of our bodies is going to be upgraded. And the brokenness of sin and the tarnish of it, the things that we have to deal with like cancer or old age or breaking an arm, right? We're going to get out of that. When we get to eternity, the Apostle Paul writes about it like a seed that gets planted in the ground. Our physical body right now is that seed, and it is going to grow into something different. It is going to grow into a promise of what it was originally meant to be, something good, something powerful, something imperishable, Paul will write. This comes from 1 Corinthians. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. This is that not yet. This is that eternity. The body that is sown or seeded in the perishable, it will be raised in the imperishable. It will be sown in dishonor. It will be raised in glory. It will be sown in weakness. And it will be raised in power. It will be sown in a natural body and raised in a spiritual body. I promise I'm going to come right back to this in a second. For if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. 
there is a promise that what we have today and the brokenness is going to go away. And into eternity, when heaven ultimately dwells among his people, when this new earth happens, we will get to experience God and its fullness and our bodies in its fullness. This is good news. But there is a little bit of a, a gap here where you can look and say, wait, Josh, you just said that the natural and the spiritual were not the same or the same thing, and this is saying something different. Well, you got to understand what that means. Spiritual does not mean non-material. That is a modern-day translation and a modern-day spin that we've put on it. Spiritual means that of God. And that of God can be physical. It's just no longer tarnished by a broken world that we live in by the effects of sin. And that is the hope that we have, that that of God comes into physical creation. Heaven resides in and among the new earth, in and among our new bodies. And the greatest testament of this is when Jesus is raised from the dead. Because there's a debate. They're thinking he's a ghost. Now he's just that spiritual thing, quote unquote. This is what Jesus says. The disciples were startled and they were frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. But Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? Why do you have doubts in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I. Touch me and see. I am a ghost, does not have flesh and blood as you see. Later on, he says, give me some bread. Give me some food. I'll show you. He had a redeemed body, a divine physical body. And Paul says, and one day each of us will have that same experience. That the brokenness of the now, with whatever it is we're struggling with, will be seeded into the not yet. Will be seated into eternity, and we will have new bodies, redeemed, spiritual, divine physical bodies, and that is the good news. But here and now, we have work to do, because God cares about the present. That's why Jesus, when they were asking which God was he, he says, I am the God of the present. He literally says, I am. That's what Yahweh meant in the Old Testament, to be a present God, and God has a present purpose for your bodies. So my challenge, my encouragement is to honor your physical bodies with God. It's going to look different for each of you, and yet each of you have a unique opportunity to use it as a blessing and enjoy that blessing God has given you. Amen. I'm going to invite Tanner and Lexi up. I'm going to close this in prayer. We're going to have a little bit of song, and then we will go into our time of the Lord's Supper. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, you know, our bodies are complicated. We have uh, difficult relationships with them. <laughs> whether it's not liking something in the mirror, whether it's uh, wrestling with a disease, whether it's substances or food, Lord, they're complicated because sin makes things complicated. And it, you are a God of purpose and of plan. And so we, we give you back our body. Lord, we pray that you help us honor you with them. Lord, and that in honoring you, we can draw closer to you. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. We continue our worship.